I want to thank Cantor Addy and Cantor Luck and the musicians for creating and holding a space for us to be together tonight with that beautiful music. It's a strange responsibility and task as your rabbi to create and to hold a space for everyone in this sanctuary. While I myself feel shattered about what is happening in our country. And I want you to hear that I said in our country and not to our country. What is happening now is really about all of us now, not about us and them anymore. Although only 24% of Jews voted for Trump, which was less than any other group in this country except for African Americans and LGBTQ Americans, 24% of Jews voted for our president-elect and 53% of white women voted for our president-elect Trump. So I want this to be a space where we acknowledge that, where people who voted or didn't vote, no matter what your position now, this is the community that we're in together. When I woke up on Wednesday morning, I went downstairs, and even before I made coffee, I took out the Torah. And I thought to myself, we still have this. This 4,000-year-old story isn't going anywhere. It's still our rock, and it's our guide. This Torah is not moving to Vancouver or New Zealand. <laughs> this Torah is not closing its eyes. It has lived before many of us. It will live on beyond so many of us. And it's lived through this before, and so will we. How blessed are we to have something to hold on to for strength and to guide us through this period. And this week's portion is perhaps perfect. It's about our forefather, Avraham, in Lech Lecha, who was sent on a journey by God from the homeland he knows, from the land where his father was born, to a place, it was a place where he felt familiar and comfortable, to a place he knows nothing about, a journey with no roadmap, a destination he cannot even imagine. And I think we know how that feels tonight. And in this story, he's commanded, above all, to be a blessing. God tells him, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. We in this sanctuary, in this congregation, and in this country are called and commanded also to be a blessing, now more than ever. We cannot undo what has been done. And I don't just mean this week. What happened on Wednesday morning might have woken up a lot of us to what has been going on for a long, long time that we didn't want to look at. But we can work together to continue to uphold a prophetic vision that this Torah gives us. The sanctuary can hold our tears and our fears, our hopes and our aspirations, but I really urge everyone in here not to skip over the places where you feel dark and hopeless, because I truly believe that in the places of confusion, and anger, and even despair and hopelessness will give birth to what will come next for this country. And I personally will now not allow any of us, not me, and not you, to stay in that place alone for too long. So I want to start with our families. What, what do we say to our kids? That is what people more than anything else have asked me. Our educator, Heather Ayres' husband, and her children were verbally abused this week in Marin by a Trump supporter. 
cantor Addie's beautiful son Marco was frightened and confused at why kids were staring at him because of his skin color at school. Our dear congregant Shabir, whose family is Muslim, who worked so hard to canvas, I think it was actually Shabir who made Nevada blue with the help of a few other people. His children, our congregants, cried, worried that their dad would be deported. If anything, in that way, it has lifted up our families to wonder, not just interfaith Jewish Christian, but our, our Hindu, our Jain, our Muslim congregants, is this a safe place for them? And I say, it is. There was a girl who was pulled by her ponytail at school this week, and when she got away, the boy said, I can grab your hair, and I can grab, I can grab you, you know where, because the president said I can and I'm on the bima, so I can't say the actual word that he said to this 11-year-old girl on the playground. And still, we're blessed. We have a rich tradition that distinguishes between right and wrong in word and in deed. We're a people who understands that the childhood verse, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me, is not true. In fact, it is antithetical to Jewish values. In Hebrew, the word for word is devar, and the word for thing is devar, because we know that words have the power to hurt even more than stones. A broken heart or a broken spirit hurts far more profoundly than a broken bone. And so this is what Jews teach their kids. We teach them, use your words carefully, be kind, treat all people equally, be respectful of differences, help those in need, lift up the underdog, welcome the stranger. Why? Because we were strangers not that long ago. We were all immigrants. We were all refugees. Our families all faced deportation or being labeled or being starred. We are far more the same as everyone in this country than we are different. But our children might say, I heard the president say, and we can say grown-ups are not always right, even the president of the United States. We love this country and we love being American, and we are proud of our democracy, and sometimes even the President of the United States says things that we don't agree with, and says things that we might have to fight against. And I want us to all remember that the rights that we've been granted in contemporary America are like saplings. So is democracy. We can't plant an idea or a right and not water it and nurture it and tend to it. So we're also called to be gardeners, to be stewards of this planet and this democracy, that in our hearts feels broken today. And at a time like this, there are no innocent bystanders. So we are called as Jews to step into the storm, the mess, the ugly, the void, and be la'or hagoyim, a light to the nations. That means in this country to every single human being. So from our bubble here, and in case you didn't notice, we do live in a bubble. A lot of us feel like we wish it hadn't been burst, but we all kind of knew it had to be burst at some point. I want to remind you that some of these new rights are really like newborns, and unprotected, they can be uprooted very easily. This country is 240 years young. Women have only been able to vote for 96 years. Roe v. Wade, only 43 years ago. And marriage equality, a whole year ago, 2015. When my sons Eli and Gabe were born in 1995 and 2000, gays and lesbians did not have the right to get married. So I want to tell you a personal story. 
Why was marriage such a pivotal issue then? Because marriage confers on you 1,138 federal benefits, rights, and responsibilities. It's like our government's way of saying, yes, you're a family. Many people can't really grasp what a big deal it was 10, 25, or even three years ago. As an unmarried gay couple living in California, if Eli's birth mother, Deborah, died, I had no parental rights. He could become a ward of the state and go into foster care because we were lesbians. I was not allowed to be on his birth certificate. If I was a man, I would have automatically gone onto his birth certificate as his father. So attorneys in California realized that they needed to create a model called co-adoption that would solve temporarily this untenable situation for LGBT families that were emerging in California. This is what it meant for us. We hired a lawyer who applied to the state for a co-adoption so that I could legally adopt my own son. Deborah and I each filled out 20 pages of autobiographical information, her stating why she was going to give up custody of her child and why, and mine was why I was fit to be a parent and should be allowed to adopt my own son. Then we, then we visited a state-mandated therapist, and then a social worker from Child Protective Services came to our house twice to report whether or not it seemed that we were able to care for our son adequately. After these two visits, she wrote up the report which stated that although it seemed to be in the best interest of the child, Eli Newbern Mintz, to be parented by his actual parents who intended to bring him into the world, she had to recommend against the adoption because the governor at the time, Pete Wilson, would not allow gays and lesbians to have children and families. Then our attorney waited to find the right slot at the Alameda County Courthouse for a judge who was sympathetic to the rights of LGBT families and would indeed grant the adoption. And at this point, Eli was four years old. When we finally went to the courthouse, we also had to find a way to explain to him why we were in court to become a family. Chocolate cake and balloons helped everybody in that moment. That cost $20,000 per kid for any family who had the means to protect their children under law. So tonight I went uh, into my files and I pulled out Eli and Gabe's birth certificates. Each of them has a birth certificate that lists their birth mother as one of us, and their father is unknown. And the other one has both me and Deborah listed as their parents. Now, besides being historical evidence, why would I keep both of these when the one that we wanted, we got? Because 21 years ago, I had a strange feeling. I imagined a day like today when Eli might be voting in his first presidential election, and I imagined the world as it might be the world we were all working towards at that time. And then I remembered. I remembered all of the times in history when we had to go backwards before we could find the momentum through the pain to go forward. And I wondered if that would be the case in 20 years, a world where we went backwards at first before we could go forward. And in that world, I wondered, would it be better for my sons, Eli and Gabriel, for their safety, for their security, for their success and acceptance, to be labeled in this country as bastards or children of gays. It's a hard choice. If you have suffered any discrimination in your life, and before I was 12, I was called a kike and a dyke, 
You live with a sort of anxiety about your own safety and that of your loved ones. It's what Muslims, LGBT Americans, Mexican Americans, African Americans, immigrants, and women, to name only a few groups who have heard their names being called out, are feeling right now in this country. And so as we enter this new and different world together, I want to remind you, not of just the bad news. For so many people, the feelings are mixed right now. We expected we were going to be at a party or a celebration, and instead, it's like a double whammy of disappointment. We did elect powerful women to serve in Congress who we can count on. Senators Catherine Cortez Masto, Kamala Harris, Tammy Duckworth, and Maggie Hassan, and eight new powerful women to the House. We have Democrats, we have people, and we have Republicans who are going to work with us. I hope. Hillary Clinton said yesterday, this year was not about one election or one person. She said it's about an America that's hopeful, inclusive, and big-hearted. There is so much that we can still do together, and I hope we will. There are actions to take through the synagogue, all of our social justice programs. I want you to join me in Bend the Ark, the Jewish Justice Partnership, of which I'm the national co-chair, which is a voice for our strong, domestic Jewish lens and power in this country. I want you to donate to the organizations that you love. I have to admit now that Hillary and Move On and the DNC aren't texting me every single day and asking for donations. I'm kind of feeling lonely. <laughs> Most of all, I'm just grateful that you all showed up tonight. I have to speak on behalf of the clergy and all of us who are here to serve you and steward you um, and to create this sanctuary. We are so glad that we are here together, and it doesn't matter to us who you voted for. It matters to us that there is a space now that we move forward together, and we are so grateful to you, and we have high expectations of where we're going together as a community. So stay sad if you feel sad. Stay in the dark place if you need to. And as Leonard Cohn said, it's because of the cracks. Those cracks that you feel, that's where the light gets let in.